Welcome to the Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea. I have a passion for helping people to put themselves first and to be the best version of themselves each and every day. We came together to create the Spoonie Hub, an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, support, and offers you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing tips and tricks from experts, we help people with chronic conditions to thrive and live the lives they've dreamed of. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness or disability, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalize having a chronic condition by sharing real stories with real people and to show the world how relatable those everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And a special shout out to our community at the Spoonie Hub. Thanks to your contributions, we are able to provide flexible work opportunities for Spoonies, donate to our nonprofit to help provide wellness treatments for those who need it, and be able to transcribe our podcast to make it more accessible for all. To learn more, visit our show notes. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Vital Field Energy Cells. These things work. They're amazing. Cassie and I have tried both the no pain and the anti-inflame cell. And I think my favorite by just like the tiniest little bit is the no pain cell. I did absolutely love the anti-inflame. I do own both of them because they're amazing. And the no pain cell works for about 80% of people giving relief in minutes from your pain. And I experienced this. You can put the no pain cell anywhere on your body that you're feeling some pain. It's safe. It's non-invasive. It's effective. And it helped me with upper back pain and lower back pain from either muscle soreness or just general aches and pains. There's also places you can put the cell on your body to help with systemic pain. So you can put it on like your cervical vertebra if you're wanting to relieve pain in your upper body, your arms, your shoulders, and your head. Um, it's it's so, they're, they're little magical devices that I'm in love with. When Cassie and I were trying them out, I started with a no pain cell and she had the anti-inflame and we switched. And like the day after we switched, I was like, give me my pain cell back. I want it (laughs) because it just, it made a difference in my life. Other users have experienced pain relief with arthritis, headaches, osteoporosis, lower back pain, tissue or bone injury, post-surgical pain, muscle sprains and or muscle tension, post-trauma pain. And less significant effects have also been reported with shingles, cancer pain, phantom pain, neuronal pain, hormonal pain, and multiple sclerosis. The great thing about these pain cells is we both experienced relief with them. It made a difference in our pain. Some of our pains went completely away and some of our pain just became tolerable. And if you've been, if you live with a chronic illness and you live with chronic pain in any way, you know the how important even just tolerable pain can be. I second that completely because as someone who lives with chronic pain, most of my pain is cramping in my low abdominal area, hips, pelvis, lower back, private regions, or not so private, you know. (laughs) Anyway, I really enjoyed the pain cell and I wore it all day while working and having appointments and errands and I was teaching and it was about a six to eight hour day, which for me as someone who lives with a chronic illness, that's a really long day of doing things, especially as a single mom, et cetera. So I was really surprised to notice that towards the end of my busy day, I had not thought about my hot water bottle once, which is a huge deal because any of you who know me know that that hot water bottle is on my body like 20 hours a day. And I hadn't even thought about it, which was a huge, um, significant show of effectiveness for me that the pain cell was working. Another experience that jumps out to me is when I woke up at 3 a.m. with a migraine. The migraine woke me up. I was miserable. I tossed and turned, tossed and turned. Then I remembered that I had my energy cell, my pain energy cell. So I put it on my cervical spine, um, just behind my neck, and I was able to fall asleep so quickly, and that was shocking to me. So we really do believe in vital fields and their energy cells, which is why we have become ambassadors and are thrilled to offer you the code 
for 15% off using Spoonies Unite, which means that you can get one energy cell, the anti-inflame or the no pain cell for just over $100, or you could get both for about $180 and they last for six months. So it's totally worth it. And it's really only like paying 15 or 30 a month to feel better. Where else can you get pain management that actually makes a difference for that price that lasts for that long? I mean, really. So go to vitalfield.com, use the code SPOONIESUNITE, all one word, all caps, and freaking give your body some love. Feel better. And tell us about it. Reach out. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. We are thrilled to bring you a great interview. Listen all the way to the end because it's awesome, but you should really listen all the way to the end of all of our episodes because they are all awesome, and we wouldn't want you to miss even just a minute of the awesomeness. (laughs) So especially today, we are interviewing Kathleen O'Shea, who is a professor of Literature and Humanities at Monroe Community College in Rochester, New York. And she is a 43-year sufferer of migraines. She has been published in the Greenwood Encyclopedia of World Popular Culture and Opera Magazine and is a regular blogger on migraines with Psychology Today. We had so much fun talking to Kathy. And I know I said this every single time that we had a lot of fun, but we really truly did. Kathy just... She's a bright light, even though she has a deal. She's been dealing with migraines for 43 years, but she did a great job sharing her experience and talking about this amazing book that she has put together, which will be linked in our show notes. It's a big kind of anthology of a ton of different writers' perspectives on migraines. It's got some creative, it's got some nonfiction, it's got some poetry in it. We talk about it throughout the episode. Go check it out. And Kathy also kind of has a really, what I found refreshing view on just having a chronic condition. We tend to talk about how, even though everyone's striving for balance, she feels like she's not very good at it, but she's okay with that. And so there's some good nuggets in there. Oh, and for people being like, I don't want to just listen about migraines. Kathy does not just have a migraine issue. She also talks about her history with endometriosis. So go listen to all of it. All right. All right. Here's the episode. Hi, everyone. We have a special guest with us today. Cassie and I are talking with Kathy O'Shea. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Pleasure to be here, Chelsea and Cassie. Yay. We're so excited to have you on. Um, You have so much to share with the migraine community. And while having chronic migraines is its like own thing in itself, I think that it's also a chronic condition that a lot of people can kind of understand in some ways. Like we were talking before how I don't have chronic migraines, but I have experienced migraines. Um, and I have friends and family that have chronic migraines. Cassie was sharing some of her experience. And so it's just, it's something that I think comes up a lot more common than like, Oh, I have joint issues or oh, I have digestive right. issues, even though those happen a lot as well. But I think migraines are one that are particularly common so we're so excited to dive in them a little deeper with you. Great. Can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about who you are and your story and what's gotten to you, gotten you to where you are today? Absolutely. That sentence. Absolutely. I uh, didn't start out with chronic migraine. I had my very first migraine when I was uh, 14. And I think many of us um, who suffer with migraine can remember vividly that very first one when it's severe. And so I happened to be camping with my family and my brother and I were over at a rec center watching a, believe it or not, a, I have no idea why, but a Charlie Chaplin film. And all of a sudden I just um, almost fell over with it, such an intense uh, pain in my head that, and it was very sudden there were really no, um, you know, no, clues or warning signs. And my parents had no idea what to do because the pain was so overwhelming. From, from there, um, it, I think it's important to remember that this, you know, I'm 57. And so my first migraine was, so you got to do the math here. Uh, if I was 14, 
I know, right? 43 years? Yeah, 43 years ago. That's right. So 43 years ago, so little was known about migraine. Mm -hmm. And I think we really need to remember that. or I need to remember that because um, since so little was known about it, there was a lot of presumed about it. And there was a lot of even more stigma attached to it. And it was even more invisible than, than it currently is. And that's not to say, believe me, that it's that it's not both of those things now. But, you know, I went to a neurologist when I was, you know, a teenager and I was thrown on uh, any number of very strong uh, medications that, of course, were for other conditions, not for for migraine, because there were no con- no medications for migraine. Um I went through every test, you know, known to man and um, nothing, they just really couldn't diagnose it um, with anything other than severe headache, you know, and and migraine. But the way it changed my life was significant, even as I was in eighth grade and going into my freshman year in high school. And I was very athletic. I was involved in a lot of sports teams and I had to give all that up um, by my sophomore year in high school. And that was, that was a tremendous difficulty for me. So I got involved in a lot of other things, you know, um, in college and in leadership roles, not college, but high school leadership roles and, you know, extracurricular activities and all these things. And I mentioned that because um, <clears throat> there was a day that I remember my parents coming home and finding me lying on the bathroom floor, um, not only vomiting, but um, just in such excruciating pain, I was in a fetal position. And my dad said, that's it. You, you've got to give up some of this stuff. You know, you're doing too much. It's, you know, but that dramatically affected my life. I mean, that's who I was. I was somebody who loved, you know, to be involved in a lot. And and I had to give a, a whole lot up. I had to sacrifice a lot. And I mentioned that because so many of us, all of us who suffer with migraine sacrifice a lot um, on a day-to-day basis, whether people recognize it or not. So I continued with, uh, I guess would be called episodic migraine through my twenties and, um, you know, early thirties. And then, um, I also had um, severe endometriosis and um, eventually I had a hysterectomy, complete hysterectomy. And I mentioned that because um, after that, I went into instant chronic migraine that I've never come back from. Oh gosh, how interesting. Mm. Yeah. And um, there was just, you know, not, no combination of things that could bring me back from, um, you know, from a chronic point. I mean, I've, I certainly had better control over it at times in, and, and then, than others for sure through the years. But, um, I had a wonderful, um, I started seeing an absolutely phenomenal headache specialist here in, uh, I live in upstate Rochester, New York. And, um, so I saw him for probably 20 years and he was phenomenal. I don't think I'd be alive without him, uh, combined with the many other people that, a migrainer or a person suffering with migraine needs to have in their life in order to cope in the various ways that we do, or even, I mean, even medically. Um, But he retired several years ago. And what he did, that was devastating because that's another problem that maybe we can talk about. And that is that there are so few headache specialists um, in the United States. Mm-hmm. My understanding, and don't hold me to these numbers exactly, but you know, while there's about 39 million migraine sufferers, there are only approximately 500 headache specialists. Uh, and boy, those those numbers just don't work. Gosh, um, I'm so surprised that there's not more specialists because I feel like headaches, as I mentioned earlier, is more of a common experience than some other conditions. Correct. I mean, in fact, you know, when you're in the middle of chronic migraine or a migraine, if if you're episodic migraine, um, you feel like nobody can, nobody's ever suffered what you're suffering, you know, and yet, as you say, it's, it's fairly common, you know, Mm -hmm. particularly, I think 70% of um, people with migraine are women. But, and we need to talk about that because that's in my book very much that it, that's part of the stigma. But the other, the, the other aspect of that is I actually asked um, a neurologist that I 
had seen for a, a period of time, uh, a shorter period of time, I asked, actually asked her, I said, why are there so few headache specialists? Because I had trouble finding one in Rochester once mine had retired. And um, she said, believe this or not, and this is a quote, that migraine is not considered a sexy disease. <laughs> okay, but is any disease sexy? Like, right. really? <laughs> and it's not, a, it's not a sexy field to go into. And what she was saying by that, as she further explained, is that it's, um, that basically she was, uh, you know, reaffirming that there's still the stigma attached to it, that it's a woman's disease. Going back to, you yeah. know, as you probably know in the 18th and 19th century that anybody, any woman with migraine was really uh, diagnosed mm -hmm. with hysteria, right? Yeah. And yeah. treated for hysteria. And so that stigma has to this day is still prominent. Mm -hmm. And therefore it's not considered serious enough. And part of that is it's invisibility, right? I mean, it's, you know, I can, I'm going through a hangover from a six day migraine now. Oh you might not see that, right? Um, uh, and, and yet I know that that, you know, I'm in that phase of, of migraine and we can hide it really well. And part of the irony is that of that is that women you know, we're considered right weaker, you know, still there's that stigma. And yet we're really stronger because uh -huh. we, we put up a front and a mask that many couldn't, right. In order mm -hmm. to function, carry on, do our jobs. I like the, the idea of like something that can bleed for almost a week straight and not die is something that you probably should be a little bit more scared of. <laughs> yeah. And I like to remind people in my life have that when it's that time of the month and they're like, what's wrong with you? Be like, look, could you yeah. do this? Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yep. So, um, I find myself now, um, so, okay. So about, um, three years ago, I was in a real intractable migraine that just, you know, my, again, my headache specialist had re retired. I was feeling very depressed. Um, I was kind of, I was feeling out of control. I was feeling helpless. Um, didn't know where to turn next. Nothing was working. Um, and I remember distinctly the day I walked into, I, I teach at a, a English at a community college. And I remember walking into my chair's office and, you know, we were talking about that for a bit. And uh, yeah, I remember walking out and thinking in the hallway on my way to my office, I need to do something positive with this. Mm -hmm. It's controlling my life right now. Mm -hmm. And I need to do something that pulls together the things that are the major parts of my life. And one, of course, is literature um, and teaching literature. And the other is migraine. <laughs> so what can I do to bring these things together and do something positive for not only myself, but for others with this this burden, this, uh, this, like, as some of the writers in my book call it this constant life companion. Um, yeah. And that's when I, you know, kind of, uh, that was the seed really for this book. I didn't intend it to be a book initially. I just wanted to research and find out more, like, you know, how many others are in, in the boat that I'm in? What other, what other writers, there must be writers that have written, you know, um, writers of fiction and poetry and drama that have written about their experience with migraine. And so I started doing some research and then, and then it just got, I got more and more passionate about it and it became something real positive for me. Um, that was something I found inspiring, you know, even just like looking at the contents and the types of people that you have found who have written about it, Jane Austen mm -hmm. you know, being one of them that I was looking, even when I was just like skimming through where I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is going to be fascinating. And it makes you feel like, okay, those people had this challenge of migraine, my, having migraines as well. And look at what they still did. I can do something too. Yes, and point. so even just mm -hmm. in the contents, I felt 
more empowered and inspired. And um, I wanted to share that for our listeners. I know I appreciate that because that, yeah, I think you, you make an excellent point. I mean, that, it, right, look at what you still can do something very productive and meaningful, right? Absolutely. And I think that's what this journey has been for me in, in writing the book um, in this project. Yeah. We talked about earlier, I mentioned earlier before we started recording that as someone who has, I've experienced migraines, I've had moments, like I have a very vivid memory of being, I was probably in elementary school, came home from school with the worst headache I'd ever experienced, fell asleep on the couch watching TV because all I could do, woke up, went through up, went back to lie down to the couch. And then the next time I woke up, I was fine. Wow. <laughs> and it, it happened like a very, very small handful of times when I was very young. Now, if I feel like a bad head, I can tell the difference between this is just a little bit of a headache or I'm going to hate my life if I don't take some <laughs> ibuprofen. And I'm very, very, very fortunate that ibuprofen, even if it's a prescription strength amount, <laughs> does generally knock out my headaches, my migraines for me. Um, so I'm very, very thankful for that. So as someone who I can kind of understand what it would feel like to experience a migraine, but I don't know what it feels like to experience it for days and days and days and days and days and days. But what I loved so much about the collection of stories of poems, I particularly liked the poems because I felt like it was a really good way to get into that kind of headspace of, oh my gosh, this is what it's like to live like this all the time. So if anyone's listening to this and you're like, Hey, I suffer from migraines, whether it's chronic migraines or just maybe it's part of just your daily life or your health or side effects of medications, then this book is something really nice to maybe share with the people around you Mm -hmm. so that they can maybe get a better understanding. Cause I know that a lot of people share, well, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm going through. This is what it feels like but not everyone always gets it. But when you can hand like a book, like Cassie mentioned with Jane Austen in it and so many other people being like, this is what it's like to live with what I do every single day. It's just, it's really, really powerful. And I like Mm -hmm. that the book that you created is, yes, it has your story in it, but I love that you pulled from so many other different people as well. And so many different genres. Cause to me, the fact that it's this just very expansive collection. Mm-hmm. It made me feel how much deeper this can really go than like, like, yes, hearing individual stories are great, but it was this whole other layer after layer after layer. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Expansive is a good word. I, I like that you said that. Cause that's, that's how I felt too. And I think like, I appreciate it too, because a lot of the people out there too, may not know the differences between a headache and a migraine. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I didn't understand like back when, just before we pressed record, we were talking about, um, I had a car accident and that's when I started having really bad migraines and I, I broke the windshield and the window with, with the side of my head. It was mm-hmm. real bad. And so my migraines were very much left-sided. And so for years, just like you were describing for years, it, n- no clues. I would just feel like I had been hit on the side of the head with a baseball bat. And I would just be completely like almost blacking out. And it was like a very one side to the other full body kind of, it was awful. And um, it would last for a while. Then it would kind of like go away, last for hours or something, maybe a day. Um, But it wasn't until about a year ago that I started having migraines that were lasting a couple of days where I like couldn't even look at a screen, any kind of light sound everything was just bothering me. And then it was uh, a few months ago that my son started experiencing migraines. And in particular, one of them, I mean, his would kind of come out of nowhere too. He would just be at school. I mean, remote schooling right now, but doing his remote schooling. And then he would just be like, I'm tired. And then he'd go into bed. He'd like be asleep for a couple of hours or an hour or something come out. And then one day he just went and threw up everywhere. Same thing. Like, like Chelsea said, Mm-hmm. throw up everywhere felt horrible and again he had kind of that migraine hangover for a couple of days and I I had really only learned about a year ago when I was experiencing it again and I was like I kept telling everyone I've had a headache for like 20 days you know and then I'm like oh I've had all these headaches it's just really wearing me down do you remember Chelsea yep I totally remember yeah. that <laughs> and I hadn't realized and I was like I feel like I've just you know I was like I've had a headache for like five a weeks you know yeah <laughs> And it wasn't until I was talking to my doctor about it and 
describing it all that they're like, yeah, those are migraines. And I just didn't even know, but because it felt so different, these ones felt different than my um, car accident induced ones, which were more of that, like whack on the side of the head kind of feeling. These were more just like a full, I'm making hand motions from the back of my neck over to my forehead for those who can't see. (laughs) And, um, but thankfully that um, education and learning the difference between the two was enabled me to recognize in my son pretty much right away that I was like, I feel like you have a migraine. He's like, no, my head just really hurts. And I want to throw up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's not just a headache. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and so, and it did give me a deeper understanding of what other people are going through. And so as Chelsea said, and and as I said, I was so excited about your book because Mm -hmm. it is a kind of relatively common people. Everyone knows what a mic, well, everyone knows what a migraine or a headache is. Yeah. And maybe it's more like everyone knows someone who has migraines or something. It seems Mm. like, um, but your statistics of it being, you know, 70% women and the hysteria. I mean, Chelsea and I could go on and on about that shit. We are so passionate about like advocating for women. And I don't know if you have heard of the book, Kathy, the lady's handbook for her mysterious illness by Sarah Rainey. No. Okay. You should read Read it. it. Because if can you guys send me the the link, we'll send it to you and we'll probably post it in the links of these show notes because we talk about it all the time. Um, Talk about all the time. It's one of the best books we read last year. It it came out last year. And her book really remind like your book and her book remind me of each other a lot in a very good way of sharing those true stories and the information. Yes. They're, they're both incredible books. (laughs) Oh, I'd love to read it. It's in like a really new it's, it's a different perspective. Like hers is written in a perspective that I haven't read before, similar to yours with taking all these other, like Chelsea said, expansive perspectives. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's well worth the read. Hey everyone. I know you're enjoying this episode of the real life show living with a chronic illness, but we're going to pause for a moment because I want to tell you about our most recent offering to help you live your best life. It is mywellnesshub.co. At mywellnesshub.co, you will find a comprehensive resource library for chronic illness individuals to live their best life. You know all those hours you spent searching on Google to find that thing that's going to help your pain or that thing that's going to help you feel better or what type of diet to work, what books to read, what podcasts to listen to, you know, all the stuff. Well, we're putting all of that into one single resource library to make it easy for you to find the resources you need. And as part of that, we have our membership site, The Hub, where we're providing education for you at the low, low cost of $15 a month. You're going to get classes from experts around the freaking world multiple times a month, multiple times a week. You'll have access to the recordings from the past, all sorts of really, really good stuff. So make sure you go check out mywellnesshub.co. So one question I had that might be kind of nice for some of our listeners, and I would love Kathy, you to kind of dive into this because you are the migraine experiencer here more than Cassie and I. Can you tell the difference or tell us the difference between a headache and a migraine? Like how can someone really know, okay, this is just a, this is a bad headache versus this is a migraine. Sure. Uh, (laughs) I know Uh, it's a hard question. No, it (laughs) it is. It is. And it isn't. I think it's Mm -hmm. a complex question because one of the reasons when I was organizing the book, I originally thought, Oh, I'll organize it chronologically with, you know, the author, the writers, Mm -hmm. because I have one medieval writer in there. Right. You know, and I got them all the way up. And I thought, no, 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 no. I, I need to organize this around themes, you know, around the themes that affect my, migraine sufferers the most. And so, so the, the reason in answering your question, um, you know, one of the chapters I have is that if you have migraine, it's, I, my, I think it's my second to the last chapter is it's a, it's a full-time lifelong job. Mm-hmm. So migraine 
isn't just a headache. And that's the other one of the other chapters. It's just a headache question mark. Because you know that if you say you have a migraine, somebody says, you know, one of the, the worst things you can say to somebody if you say I have a migraine is, can I give you Tylenol? You know, can I get because I mean, I know it's done and well intentioned and all of that, but it me all it does is say to the person suffering, you don't get it. You have no idea what I'm really suffering. Because a, multi, a migraine is multi-layered. A migraine mm-hmm. affects the entire being. It isn't just a headache. The headache is one component of migraine. Um, for instance, you know, the, and I only learned this, but, and again, a lot I think with the misunderstanding and the stigma attached to, to migraine is, the, is just a lack of people understanding what we now know about migraine that we didn't know say back when I was young. And, and we know that a migraine has a cycle to it. And we know that that cycle begins with, for some people, they have auras, right? You know, the mm-hmm. physical sensations and colors and patterns and all of that, that they know then they're, they're going to be getting the attack. I only 20, most people think that most people with migraine get auras, but that's not true. Only 20% of people with migraine have aura beforehand. But most of us do have warning signs. um, And they can be very unusual signs, so that you wouldn't immediately pick them up. So for instance, one, and I only learned this through my own experience, and then reading something like one of the essays I ended up using in the book. And I said, Oh, my God, that's me. I do that. I do that all the time before a migraine. And that is excessive yawning. Oh. I can be, it's unbelievable. I yawn uh, all the time. You do yawn a lot, Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea does yawn a lot. You're a yawner she, anyway. She yeah. yawns enough that it doesn't like do that social cue to make me yawn. Yeah. You know? oh, wow, that is a lot. <laughs> the yeah, fact that we're recording this in the afternoon and I'm not sitting here yawning the entire time, <laughs> Kathy, is truly half a miracle. Because normally I'm like, I'm not, I'm sorry. It just, I, I call myself a chronic yawner. I'm like, I'm not bored. I just, yeah. I'm always oh, yawning. No, I think some people do yawn more. I know at a certain time of day I tend to anyway. But, yeah. but no, but it gets so excessive that oh. it brings on my, I also have TMJ, which a lot of migraine <laughs> sufferers have. And it'll bring it on because I cannot stop it. I mean, I can, it's in, to the point that if I'm in a store or I'm in, if I were at work, if I were teaching and it's talking about it's making me on now. <laughs> yeah, I know it, you cannot stop it. And it's embarrassing and you have to get yourself out of that situation. And who would have ever thought that was a trigger? I mean, not a trigger. I'm sorry, not a trigger. A warning. Thank you. you know, for, for a migraine coming probably within the next 24 hours. How interesting. Yeah. And and it turns out I'm not alone. I mean, I, when I read this and I read that this was the case, I thought, my gosh. So, um, you know, so we get warning signs. A lot of people get the hypersensitivity to light, um, to sound. I get it to sound. I, Mm -hmm. I, I know that my poor husband, if he, he can have the television at normal volume and all of a sudden out of the blue, I'll just say, you got to turn that down. I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't take it. And, and so hypersensitivity to touch, to smell. Um, again, I don't have all of those, but many people do. Um, and so there are the warning signs. Then there's, you know, the attack itself. Um, which is the severe headache, but, and that headache is different for a lot of people. You know, for me, it always is the same. It comes up through my neck. It starts with neck pain and it comes up over in my right eye. And, um, but then, you know, when I say it affects the whole body, there's this whole other element. There's the cognitive element of it. So when you hear people talk about a migraine fog, um, they're not kidding. What what happens is for me is I lose a lot of cognitive function. I lose memory. I lose um, the ability to uh, 
come up with words. I use word. I, I saw that. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we saw, okay, y'all, I haven't yawned for 30 minutes. We start talking about how much I yawn and you I've yawned three yawn times too. in the past I, I two saw, minutes. I saw a half of one. I'm, go. I'm really good at hiding it, Kathy. It's funny. And, uh, 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 what was I saying? Um, Oh, word drop, you know, yeah, so right. can you imagine I'm, I'm a professor and I'm teaching a class, English class, right? Language. I use language <laughs> and all of a sudden I can't come up with the most common word. I mean, the most common word, like I might mean to say novel, you know, rather than, you know, short story or something. And I cannot come up with it and hiding those things, masking those yeah. problems is, can be really difficult. You appear clumsy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so some people think you're almost drunk, you know, but it's, it's something that takes over the whole body mm -hmm. and you feel there's a, there's an essay I have in there, an excerpt from an essay calling a general feeling of disorder. I think it's by Oliver Sacks, um, who wrote the great book on migraine. Um, and that's what it, it's, it captures it beautifully. In addition to the, the migraine attack, the headache attack, there's this general feeling of disorder. Everything's not right with you. You, you know, you are, um, you are not you. So, and then there's, then after the attack, which can be for some people hours, it can be days, it can be weeks, it can be months because the cycle is, um, can go back and forth. You know, yeah. for me, it's like, I can start to feel like I'm coming out of it and then I go back, you know, and, and, and I know that's true for many, many people. And you feel like then the fear is that when, or if you'll come out of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good point that it, it can change as well. So one person may experience migraine slightly different than another, you mm -hmm. know, like you said for hours or maybe for a couple of days, but then later or a different time in life, it could be weeks and months. Yes. And, um, it's, it like drives you nuts kind of, you know, when you have this feeling in your head constantly, it's for me, it makes me feel, I mean, it definitely makes me feel bad about myself in a lot of ways. Kind of like you said, that cognitive stuff that you have, yeah. that's a big symptom of mine too. And even of just exhaustion with living with a chronic illness and chronic yeah, pain, absolutely. getting that. And it'll be so frustrating when you feel like you're almost having like an out of body experience of yes. like, I cannot get this word. And when in your mind, you can think it all completely clearly, at least for me, that's how it feels in my mind. It's all there crystal clear. And I can't get there. I can't get to it. And I can't get my words to get it and find it and bring it out, especially. And um, that feeling, like I said, it, it, it'll drive you nuts out of kind of like frustration in a way. Yeah, right. And kind of like you said, like it can feel embarrassing at times. I mean, I know that um, I frequently won't speak up like if I'm at like a fancy dinner or something let's say with people I won't speak up about something because I'm afraid that I won't be able to grab the words that I need yeah. you know yeah. and I know that that's not necessarily super specific to migraine but maybe chronic pain and chronic illness as a whole that many of us experience but sure. I'm glad that you address that cognitive aspect and yeah. also the overall feeling of disorder is such a good way to put it because it's just like everything is off mm -hmm. yeah Definitely. Yeah. And I think your, your moods fluctuate a lot too during, yeah. you know, the course of it. I know I could go from um, being teary and emotional to being uh, rageful, you know, mm -hmm. even. Um, so the, the, and it can change. It, it's, it's hard, you know, I think that's another thing we need to say. It, it's very hard to live with someone who suffers yeah. with migraine. I, you know, you need such a, a good support who system who does get yeah. it, you know, and yeah. I think that that's really vital. That's huge because we, um, we have a friend and I, I actually think her episode is coming up before yours. So Abby Morris, mm -hmm. um, and she's a chronic migraine sufferer. She has oh. POTS and migraines 
and she's had them for many, many years. And she has it like just nailed down to a T of exactly what she needs when she's getting, when she starts to feel it trickling on, she has a list of what she needs yep. and she's recently married and she talks to us about how she kind of like laid the ground rules with her now husband of where she's like, if I have a migraine, I'm going to bed. Don't touch me, but bring me a Dr. Pepper and a burger <laughs> and like, yeah. And like, leave no, me alone. Yeah. And, um, and it's love actually between them for her to speak up of what she needs yes, and for him to respect it and do it. And, you know, maybe just give her a little hug and give her the Dr. Pepper and then leave her in the dark. Or don't That's- give her a hug if she doesn't want to be touched. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. exactly because she gets so sensitive you know like you said right. to the touch to the light to the everything and she has found these tricks after trying all sorts of things that that's what makes her get through it and chelsea and i just really thought it was cool that she found her voice to speak up to her loved one saying this yeah. is what i need and how much nicer it was to take that pressure off their relationship that they can just he can give that to her because you're right. right. It, it is hard to live with someone who has migraines or any chronic illness. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for anyone to have that because there's just an extra layer of unknown that you're mm-hmm. frequently living with. Yeah. And the other unknown too, is that you, you feel like you can't. And, and I think you're, you're the people you live with have to deal with this too, is that you can't plan anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you sometimes feel like, you know, you, 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 you can plan it, but then those people have to understand that, you may not be able yeah. to, to, to do it, you know, Those whatever that, that is, it's a terrible, you know, and, um, and, and, and that's really hard on a, on a family too. I mean, yeah. I think that, you know, um, yeah, for your loved ones. And, um, so I think that you're absolutely right to be able to voice what you need. And, and I don't know about, um, did you say her name's Abby? Yeah. Abby. Yeah. Abby. But, um, you know, you have also this enormous regimen of medications that yeah. you, you take, you know, to prevent. And then these rescue medications that you take and they all have their side effects and people, your loved ones have to live with those as well as you. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Well, there was something you said earlier that I wrote down because I wanted to kind of circle back to it of how you like to be involved in a lot of things and you kind of got to a point where you were kind of told, oh, you need to choose some of these things. And that resonated with me a lot because, and Cassie knows this, I like to be busy. Um, not only do we have this podcast and our Spoonies business and our Spoonies nonprofit, but I have my own business. I teach Pilates. I teach bar. I've got lots of stuff. I I enjoy being busy. I am someone who I don't want to be over busy, but I like having stuff to do. And one thing that I've, I don't know if battled with is the right word, but been really trying to find a balance knowing that if I don't take care of myself, Hmm the health that I have could easily go away. Yes. Um, and people have literally worked as harder, harder than me and made themselves sick. Yeah. Burned out. Yeah. And so like, I mean, I know like chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, messing up your hormones. I mean, there's a whole wide range of things that can happen. And so when you're like, oh yeah, I like kind of wanted to pull back, but I liked to be involved. And I think that there's this kind of idea that if you have a chronic illness, you can't go do stuff <laughs> or like yeah, you can't right. be as involved. You can't do things. And so I would love to hear you maybe talk a little bit about how you kind of balance being able to be involved in ways that you really want to. Um, or if you have tips on like choosing which things you say yes to what you say no to while always making sure that you're still taking care of yourself. I can speak to it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm probably a poor example <laughs> of somebody of being totally honest with you. A uh, poor example of someone who does balance. Well, um, I think, I kind of think uh, balance is like this thing we all strive for that. I don't know if it fully actually yeah, exists. But I think some people so, are better at it than others. Yeah. And, and I don't, I have to say, I don't think that's one of my strengths. And I think that's why perhaps I suffer more with migraine than, than I would if, if I did do a little bit more with self-care and recognize more when to say no to things. And um, 
I've started doing more with self-care in terms of, of physically, in terms of, you know, I'm, you know, I've been up and down on roller coaster in terms of like physical activity, because I know physical activity is really good for migraine and chronic illness. And yet when you're in pain, it's really hard to be physically active. So there's that, that, you know, that, that, that difficult uh, cycle, but, but in the last several months, I've really committed myself to um, eating healthier and I work with a personal trainer and I've, you know, um, and, and I feel good about that. I feel good about taking care of myself, taking that time out of the day to say, um, you know, that's time I need, you know, in order to take care of, of me. I think the time I spend working on anything related to, to, to my project, to my book and to, to my passion for that is my time. I think that's my me yeah. time quite a bit right now, because ever since I got involved in doing it and, and I'd never published anything before in my life. And so it was a whole brand new three-year journey and experience that, that, that's, that's my passion. That's where I can go and it, to get inside myself and, and, you know, get away from everything else. I think, yeah. you know, I'm teaching remotely now and mm -hmm. I find that extraordinarily difficult and, um, and I don't um, enjoy it nearly as much as working with my students mm -hmm. face to face. Um, and so I find that I find balancing in fact, we just, I just went to a, a conference, you know, about teaching remotely and how to find balance while you're doing that, because you always feel like you could be doing more to, you know, maybe I could learn more technology to better help my students, you know, and so it's finding that balance when you're working at home to turn it all off, right, and to, and I, many people are dealing with that, with any re working remotely now, and so far I I'm, I'm struggling with finding that balance. Mm -hmm. um, so taking times, I, I guess I also, I think I wrote an article for, I write blogs for um, psychology today on migraine. And um, I started doing that a couple of months ago. And I wrote one about, I think what the importance of pets are, you know, when you have chronic illness um, and you know, and I think how I, I wrote about, you know, what I think they do for us in terms of that self-care. And I have two golden retrievers and a cat and um, they, they allow me self-care, you know, I, I, cause I walk them, I spend my, my quality, a lot of quality time with them. So I think we all have to find our own ways of, of doing that. And again, it's probably not one of my strengths to speak to, but it's something you're right. We always strive yeah. to keep remembering that how important that is. Well, I really like that you mentioned um, doing working on your project and on your book is your me time because that's something that I kind of realized in recent months and even what I like message Chelsea about. I, I've had two surgeries recently in the last three mm -hmm. months, and I it was really hard. Uh, doing computer work, sitting, et cetera, energy, exhaustion, pain, blah, blah, blah. But um, I started noticing that like my depression and anxiety would creep in so easily if I, and during the days that I wasn't working on all of our chronic illness, spoony podcasts, nonprofit stuff. Yeah. And so although it took energy, brain energy, physical energy, sometimes physical pain to sit at my desk or whatever, it was worth the emotional and mental joy and um, passion and kind of like feeling invigorated that I would get from doing yeah. that work. But right. I started being like, you know what? I don't actually have to treat this as just like working and taking my energy in air quotes, because this also makes me feel better emotionally. Yeah. Absolutely. And with the exercise too, Chelsea and I have talked about this a lot on many episodes, uh, consistency. Like I went for a little walk today. I'm walking about half of the distance as I was before my last surgery in almost twice the time. So I'm walking very slowly and like very small steps, but I went for the walk today. Cause I was like, you know what? I didn't go all of last week and I will feel better overall this week. If I go for 30 minutes today. And right. I think that's one of the biggest things with chronic illness is when you are trying to find that balance and playing with consistency and looking at big picture when sometimes 
like you said, we can't plan and we get stuck in the small picture and we get stuck in the few hours or that day. And sometimes you do have to pull yourself out and still look at big picture. And um, I want to ask another question too, but Chelsea, it looked like you had something to say about balance. So I don't want to cut you off and change the topic. Oh, I just wanted to thank you, Kathy, for sharing that because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I have to be perfect at this balance. And I think you did a really good job of being like, hey, I'm not great at it, but I'm trying. (laughs) And you're like, yes, you mentioned that maybe you'd have less migraines if you focused on it a little bit more, but you're still able to live the life that you seem like you want to for the most part. Like you still get to teach, you still get to work and you've been able to create this amazing book. And so I think that it was just, I think it's good for people to hear that like, you don't have to be perfect at it. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you're maybe will choose to get involved in something and you're going to quote unquote overwork yourself. And yeah, it might lead to a migraine, but if you really enjoyed the overwork that you did, then maybe it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know what, I think that's a great point too, because a lot of times, um, I'll do you know, we all have our triggers for migraine too, right? And um, and part of living with it over a long period of time is that you start to learn what those triggers are. And like, I don't have any food triggers. I don't have, you know, a lot of, of common ones, but I know what mine are. And I know there are times when I think if we're honest with ourselves, we say, we know what, if, if we go ahead and do such and such, we know what we're risking, but you have to say to yourself, I'm doing this and I know, I know the risk, you know, so that, and and I think that's important because Mm -hmm. then it's like, it's, you're taking it on, but you're saying it it may be worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, you you can kind of take some of the guilt out and not beat yourself up about it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's really important. It is. It's super important. I had so a much giant chronic illness is outside of your control. So much yeah. is, but this like maybe doing this one thing, you, you have control over whether or not you're going to do it. Yeah. And you, you make that choice, whether or not you are. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes I make bad choices yeah. and other times I make good choices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm really glad that you mentioned that too, because yeah, last night I had a giant glass of white wine and you know yeah and it was like it's probably not the best choice you know but I just you know my stepdad really enjoys drinking wine and he refuses to ever drink alone it was a promise he made to himself (laughs) and so me not being able to consume alcohol hardly ever because mostly of my Crohn's disease it's like you know poor him you know and so I made a really nice dinner last night and he's like, oh, a nice glass of wine would go really well with this. And I was like, it would. And I rented a movie on Amazon and I was like, yeah, I'm having a huge glass. I'm going to enjoy this movie and this food. And it's going to be totally worth whatever the repercussions are. And eliminating that stress and yeah. the quite the quite literally like chemical reaction of the stress, like cortisol and all of that for beating myself up, like getting rid of that bit and just enjoying it. It's way better than doing it anyway and like beating myself up about it all night later next day absolutely that's a great example so um I'm all about that and um so I know that we 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 still have a little bit of time I you very briefly touched on the fact that you had severe endometriosis and a hysterectomy which then you know spiraled all of your migraines out of control again for you and um I, I don't want to not talk about that or dismiss that because that's another one of those diagnoses, diagnoses or whatever that, um, women, oh, it's not important. It's not sexy. It's women. What's, you know, everything's fine. You're fine. You know, you just have cramps. You're just, you just being, have bad, right. Bad, yeah. You're just yeah, being a girl about bad. it, you um, know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, which is so not okay. And so how, could you just briefly share a little bit maybe about what it was like to get that diagnosis? Was it challenging to get the diagnosis to be heard about having that diagnosis and then eventually leading to having a hysterectomy? And, and I know that our episode is more about the migraines and relations sure, no, with that, fine. but that this is a part of your journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I will tell you that, you know, I suffered that disease 
largely by myself. I felt, I don't, I felt more alone in that disease than I do in migraine. Um, and I've been so thrilled. Like I even seen like, since I came upon you guys and, and your group and to see so much that is now being, you know, written about and talked about concerning that disease that never was, I never knew another soul in my life that had that disease and never knew anyone else who talked about it. And I think I'd had it for years before it was ever diagnosed. And I just assumed, you know, I had these just absolutely horrendous, not just cramps, but bleeding. And I mean, just this, the whole, I mean, it was unbelievable. And it wasn't until I, believe me, I was doing research for, and I never got to read anything about it. I never did. And then I went through, um, I had a a wonderful um, doctor I worked with, but he, we put me on medication that basically, I mean, I'm, I'm being very honest with you here, made me infertile so I couldn't have children and um, which changed my life, of course. And then while that controlled it um, for a period of time, uh, it just kept getting worse and worse. And I, and then finally we talked about, you know, the, the hysterectomy and he, we talked about trying to, uh, you know, all depend on how severe it was, if it was going to be total and, you know, and so on. He said he would try to save one ovary if he could and blah, blah, blah. Well, he was so severe. It was in and around other organs. And um, so again, still never. So I, so I was only in my thirties when I had a hysterectomy and, and, um, and then believe it or not, I was the first case in this, in this whole area where this was, this happened. I started getting the symptoms again and I started getting, yeah. And, and I, at first he didn't believe me, the the doctor, it cannot be you, you, I mean, you, there's just no way you could have this. I said, I'm sorry, it's happening again. Mm -hmm. So he had to go in and do exploratory surgery again. And he found that there was more of it that had started growing in different places. So I had a second surgery and again, still having known no one or read anything about it by anyone. And then when I was researching, um, so nobody understood it. Nobody got what I was going through. And then when um, I was researching the migraines, I found this incredible book and I want to run into my office and my other office and get it. Um, and I was reading about, it was a memoir and I was reading about her migraines and there was this huge part of it was about her suffering endometriosis. And I thought, Oh my God, this is somebody who gets it. This is the first time I've ever read about. And I wrote to her as an author and I, cause I'm using this piece from her book about migraine. And I said, you won't believe what you did for me. You made this, you're the first person that I could read about that made me feel I wasn't alone. This is what I went through. And so that made it even more important for me to do what I was doing because I thought if I can do that for, with people with migraine, what she did for me with that, but that is a very misunderstood, um, very invisible illness that is stigmatized and, uh, I'm just so glad to see now, as I've started to see on a lot of chronic illness websites, mm-hmm. starting to see it being talked yeah, there's about. There's definitely pe- people are talking about it. and So thank, thank you to you guys for, for doing that. Oh my gosh, of course. Well, thank you for sharing your experience and your story mm-hmm. and being vulnerable with us. It's really means a lot to us that, that you've opened up to share that. And it is it's one of those invisible illnesses and, and, and for women that we are so dismissed. And Chelsea and I have talked to many endometriosis survivors and warriors and the amount of dismissing with doctors, oh. it's, it's just awful to see. And um, another book that you might like that just came out in October is called Vagina Problems by Laura Parker. And she has endometriosis oh. and she is one of the biggest uh, 
yeah, one of the biggest advocates that I have found online, um, she's an editor at Buzzfeed and she just, um, she really talks about everything that no one talks about. And, um, I feel like just with me following her and reading her articles, then I, of course I read her book. Um, I had a deeper understanding for everything that's also encompassed in endometriosis with pelvic pain, vaginal pain, bladder problems. I mean, irritable bowel syndrome comes exactly like full body, full body stuff. Yeah. And um, so I can only imagine the challenge it was for you to deal with that 20 years ago when it was so little was yeah. known about it. Because even now in this day and age, when it is being talked about more, and there's definitely a social media presence and awareness and yes. women talking about it in books, but it's still so hard to get doctors right. to listen. So thinking of what that would have been like before I just, you know, Can tell you one quick quote from a doctor I had. Yeah. This is what I, I left him after this and went to someone else. <laughs> I was but, gonna, I'm like, this is going to be one of those quotes that makes me really mad. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was so dismissive. He actually, he was, um, an OBGYN and his wife was okay. So you'd think he'd kind of get, get it a little bit. Right. He said, when I was saying to him that the bloating was so severe that, you know, I looked nine months pregnant all of the time and I, and I couldn't take the, the pain with that and the pressure from wearing any clothes, you know, and all of that. He looked at me, leaned back in his desk and he said, bloating, bloating, bloating. He said, everybody wants to explain their weight gain by bloating. He said, I told my wife, when I get home from work, I've said to my wife at dinner, if I hear one more woman talk about bloating. Did his wife stay with him after this? I have no idea because I never went back. (laughs) Because you're like, I'm out of here. Because if like, I. That stayed with me for so long. And the anger and the rage that I had about that um, was so, I I just, it's visceral now. I mean, I can just. Yeah, oh, I, I, mean, I mean, I can't. I, I feel no. that visceral curiosity <laughs> where I want to be like, F you, mother F. Yeah, exactly. You got it. something across the room and storm Oh, out. yeah. I wanted to storm right out of there. Yeah. I, any boys that are listening to this or anyone who just has never experienced a period and what that can do to your body, please, for the love of all things good, never blame a woman or anyone else that's experiencing a period, no matter what your gender identity is, don't blame their emotions or their feelings or anything on that. Because I, my fiance is amazing. I'm going to start the story off with that. But there was one time where he was like, well, I just kind of thought it was your period making you a little grumpy and upset. And I have anxiety. And I was like, nope. I'm like, I would have felt that exact same way, whether or not I was having this thing happen inside my body and I know like how dismissed I felt when people are yeah. like, oh, well, you're just on your period. It's just that. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. no. So anyone listening that's never experienced a period, just don't use that as a reason for anything. Just besides, don't. They're still your feelings. Like maybe those Good feelings point. are heightened on your period, but yeah. they're still your feelings and you're still experiencing it. And I have to say that my son went through sex ed and he came home one day from middle school and he was like, mom, you girls have it like so yes, much do. harder. Yes, we do. And I was like, yes, we do. never forget that. Yes. <laughs> never forget it ever, <laughs> ever. And so I'm really hoping that I'm setting him up to be like the most wonderful man to women. Sounds like you are. <laughs> Sounds like you are. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely trying, but yeah, that's the thing. Chelsea is like, I, I started just being like, there's still, I'm still going through those feelings. I'm still living in that. And so it makes them real and it makes them valid. So what if they're heightened? Oh yeah. So Chelsea and I are both dog lovers also. Oh, wonderful. And yeah, I'm gonna my have dog to... just lost their yeah. okay, complete watch shit. This. Oh, then hold on one second. Gonna <laughs> I'm going to have this. to look up your article because, um, I, uh, my dog, I, I can't picture living without a dog. Yeah. It oh brings me so much joy and comfort. And, and I'm, um, I'm really lucky because one of, <gasps> okay. So if pretty. you're not, um, 
on the Spoonie Hub and able to watch the video of this, go get on the Spoonie Hub right now just so you can see these videos of Kathy. Kathy, say hi. And what are your names of your dogs? I was just going to ask, yeah. Okay, sure, sure. Um, this side is Oliver. We call him Ollie. Uh, he's named after the, my favorite contemporary poet, Mary Oliver. Cute. And this is Greta. And Greta is named after, my husband's an English professor as well, um, retired, but our favorite um, uh, short story is by James Joyce, and it has a a character in it named Greta. And so um, Greta is just turning eight this uh, month, and Ollie is five. They're both, uh, by the way, they're both certified therapy dogs. And they, um, when we are in session at, um, at my college, they are the official MCC therapy dogs. So they go, oh one gosh. of them goes each day to work with me and gets to be in my classes. And go, we go to other people's classes to calm them down before exams. And we go to departments. It is. It's a lot of fun. I'm I love to that. Find a picture of my dog right I now. Think- Cassie, we should probably do an episode on therapy and service animals because so well, one I was of thinking the same thing. One of my Come dogs, on. the reason I have her is because she was a th- she was a rescue, a woman um that went to that worked at the same university that I did. Uh-huh. She rescued a dog and was training her to be a therapy animal. Well, long story short, she didn't pass her therapy animal tests whatever oh, yeah. to be right. an official therapy dog and the woman couldn't keep her if she couldn't be a therapist. she needed to be able to have her oh. her and do all those things and so she was like I have this really really well-trained dog that I just want to go to a good home yeah and I was a grad student at the time and I was like I really want a dog and I after thinking about it for a really 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 long time I lived in a very small apartment and I was like should I get a dog is a responsible blah, blah, blah. I decided to get her and Great. She is absolutely amazing. Where is she? She's, I, I locked them out of my office. <laughs> the door is closed because otherwise they will come nails. in and they go, clip, 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 yeah. clip, 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 and these guys loud. would come tear. These guys would come tearing yes. down the hallway here. I know. So yeah. they're, my dogs are currently barking at whoever just rang my doorbell, probably to deliver a package. <laughs> and, but it, I, she's amazing because when I'm feeling like just anxious for no reason, like, and I go lie in bed and I'm trying to like read or distract myself, she'll, she can tell, she can tell when someone's feeling oh. really anxious and she'll come up and she'll lie. She likes her personal space, but when I'm feeling particularly anxious, she will come and she will lie down right next to me and she'll make me pet her and give her attention and it just, it just makes me feel better. And I don't know what I would do without her. I, I do not know how I made it through grad. I wouldn't have made it through grad school without her. I believe it. No, they're, they're everything. They're everything. They're yeah, I'm going to have to look at that article. And Chelsea, we should totally do an we episode about it. That. Yeah, definitely. That would be so much fun. Yay. This was awesome. so much fun. This was this so much fun. Great. Kathy, this has been wonderful. Everyone, Kathy's book is, book is linked in the show notes. Make sure you go check it out. If you suffer from migraines, if you don't suffer from migraines, there's a lot that you can learn. And because it's a collection of so many different pieces, it's actually like really easy just to open it or like I, we got a PDF version. And so just to like scroll through to a section <laughs> and just like spend a couple minutes reading a section. If that's all you have time for, um, which I kind of like books where it's like, Oh, I don't, you mean I don't have to commit to reading a 30 page right. chapter right. or, you know, right. also, there might be a piece that doesn't, you know, yeah. it doesn't resonate with you. Mm-hmm. And, and you just, then you go, you, you find the one that does, you know, <laughs> yeah. or the, 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 those that do, you know, like, so I really enjoyed a lot of the poetry that was in it because I felt like it was something easy for my brain to read. It was easy to digest while really being impactful. Like it was easy to read, but I like felt it deep inside my soul. I was like, oh, this is, yeah, okay. This is intense. This is, this is a challenging thing to live with. And so thank you so much for putting it together. It's a beautiful collection and everyone needs to go read it. Yes, Yay. thank you so much. I've so, so enjoyed meeting you both. And Yay, you know, really if, if you do that you therapy too. dog one, let me uh, let me be part of it. We'll let okay, you know. <laughs> that yes. would be so fun. Yeah, we'll have to let you know. We need to get it on the books because that sounds really fun. And yes. thank you again so much for coming on with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to meet you both. Thanks for listening. If you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a review, share the podcast with others, or join us in the Spoonie Hub. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Spoonies Unite or on our website, mywellnesshub.co. 
where you can find all sorts of resources and you can find the Spoonie Hub. Talk to you soon.